Welcome to Connected, a podcast with Jess. That's me. Thank you so much for your gift of time as you choose to listen to my new podcast. My passion is seeing my fellow humans connect back to their entire being, mind, body, and soul. I believe we've learned to treat our humanity in fragments and separate parts. We do this in medicine, as we will talk about in this first episode. We also do this in keeping our mental health in a unique space not related to our bodies. We do this in our faith practices through living out a belief in a space and live our practice and self-care in a different space. I believe this creates a life of internal conflict and inauthenticity. We wonder then how we feel things like lost or unsatisfied or anger, or we find ourselves in increased physical pain or illness. I'm not a doctor or a therapist. I am a guide, a guide who was forced to find a way back from a fragmented life after a series of traumatic spiritual, physical, and mental events. I found my way back to whole living. I had many people who guided me in this journey, and I plan to share these beautiful humans with you throughout the life of this podcast. If you'd like to hear more of my personal story, you can read about it on my blog at jessicatravis.com or listen on my shared podcast with my husband called Sacred Spaces, a podcast with Casey and Jess, also found on my website or your favorite podcast channels. You can also follow me on Instagram. Jessica Travis is my handle. You can follow me on Facebook as well. I will be doing updates about this podcast on both of those spaces. I would also love your reviews and your feedback. I love conversation. So if you have any questions or would like to continue thought and conversation with me, please don't forget to DM me or send me an email at jessica at jessicatravis.com. Additionally, I am a certified life coach focusing on helping others journey back to wholeness and authenticity. As your guide and life coach, I will help you write your story the way you want with the goal of connecting your whole being, mind, body, and soul to this beautiful human we call you. In this podcast, Connected, we will explore the connections between us and within us to reveal the fullest potential of our humanity. I hope you will join me on this journey as we discover what connects us to each other and to ourselves. Let's get started. So let's get started. Today, I'm talking with one of my healers, Trisha Mack. She was a strategic part of my healing after two craniotomies in 2018. If she doesn't get you excited about your body and the ability you have to heal it, then I don't know what will. Okay, I am super excited uh, to be talking to Trisha Mack today. Um, I... We've been talking so much about my journey and my healing process um, in Casey and I's podcast, uh, Sacred Spaces, and uh, how critical different people were in my healing process. And Trisha was one who connected many, many dots for me. And so um, instead of just having my own conversation with her, as uh, as we often do, um, and we get really excited and goosebumpy and all that fun stuff. Um, I wanted to be able to share that with you guys so that you could uh, get a bit of a fuller picture of what it is that one affected me in my journey, but also um, 
the conversation of being um, more deeply connected with our bodies, mind, body, soul, um, how those uh, are not as separate as we often treat them. Um, so I'm going to start with letting Trisha um, introduce herself, um, what it is that, uh, whatever she wants to tell you about herself. I have a different definition probably than all of her um, uh you know, credentials. Um, so I will, I will follow up with that part after she tells you <laughs> a little bit about herself. So Trisha, who are you? Who am I? <laughs> um, interesting. Um, okay. So um, I'll give you a little bit of background. Um, I did not grow up in mainland U.S., um, pretty much grew up in Adak, Alaska, and the west coast of Australia. And I bring that in because I think it, it weaves into the fabric of who I am. Um, out of college, I was in the news media. And the reason I bring that up is um, as a news uh, television news photographer here in, uh, in Spokane at a couple stations and a couple stations in Seattle, um, I got to really uh, see the human being and their behaviors. Mm -hmm. And so the uh, worst of the worst and the best of the best, um, you know, with the news media. And that does come into play with um, my second career where I gave uh, the media 10 years. It's a little hard to be small and a female and hauling around those cameras and hanging out at helicopters <laughs> and and things like that. And, um, and then I went back to school and became a, a physical therapist. And I think my news media days really helped me understand, um, you know, or try to help me understand the human being and everything that that, mm. that um, means, encompasses the, the whole of the human being. Um, and so then I became a physical therapist. And I, uh, so the credential part is, I went into straight into manual therapy. I wanted to touch uh, humans. Um, I've, you know, in the old days when I got into physical therapy over 20 years ago, uh, I went back to school in 1996. So, um, you know, the therapists that I saw were mostly ultrasound, electrical stimulation. Here's a little bit of exercise. And I was observing one day. And I saw a physical therapist that actually was touching a patient. And I'm like, that's it. That's what I want to do. So um, long story short, I graduated, I went into the orthopedic outpatient field, and I wanted to become a manual therapist I wanted to touch. So I ended up with the North American Institute of Manual Therapy uh, board certification. Um, and and there's, you know, again, that's just limited. It's manual therapy, but it's joint mobilization soft tissue mobilization, but then I needed to step back from all those pieces, parts, and look at the person as a whole and look at their movement. So quickly got into how are they moving, um, you know, observation, posture, and got into the functional movement realm. And that put me into um, sports medicine because I just really, you know, I coached soccer and just seemed to relate to the kids. So I started seeing um, a lot of athletes and that led me into seeing um, a lot of runners. And long story short, um, I have my own business now called Body Works, where I left the clinic. I left the limitations of the clinic of insurance dictating who I see and how long I see them for. 
And I named my company not really knowing where that name would take it, but I call it And Body Works. In other words, there's more to it. There's an and, and dot, dot, dot. What else is there? Throughout my career, I kept thinking there's something missing. There's something they didn't tell me in school. Something isn't adding up here. I feel like I'm getting 60% sometimes 50%, you know, I I couldn't give them everything that this patient that walked through my door as a whole human being, what they needed. And as our discussion is going to go on, um, basically, basically in 2016, um, I was in Oahu teaching anatomy and biomechanics at uh, the Hawaii School of Yoga to teacher training students and I would teach their anatomy and biomechanics. And it's really important that yoga instructors um, understand the body and why maybe uh, one of their students or clients cannot achieve a pose and, and when to know to take, get them to a practitioner that can help them mm. work the physical part in yoga so they can then bring in the emotional, mental, and spiritual part instead of fighting their bodies because they can't achieve a pose. So I would bring in the physical aspect. And um, one of the, one of the uh, yoga instructors came up and noticed I was showing pictures of something called anatomy trains, which doesn't break up the muscles. It shows the muscles as a continuity in the body through the fascia. And she says, do you know Tom Myers, the um, founder of anatomy chains, is going to be here next month you want to come back and join me in his class in Oahu? So in 2016, when I actually got to see Tom Myers speak, that's when my jaw dropped. That's when I went, there it is. There's what's been missing in school. There's what's been missing in practice. And not just one thing. It was a multifaceted, missing huge chunk of the puzzle in multi-areas that I realized was missing in my education. My jaw dropped. And in one moment I went, whoa, that's what's wrong with every single one of my athletes. And I started following Tom Myers and all of his researchers. And that's where it brings me today. Which is the point in which, I mean, your journey then intersecting with my journey uh, changed the game for me and my ability to heal. And we have, uh, at the time that we met, we, I was working, um, as a beginning running coach for fleet feet and organizing our programs and stuff for all of our local runners. And, uh, one of my coworkers kept asking me, Hey, can we get Trisha to come in and talk about, you know, as a PT come in and talk about, um, different things that runners need, because she'd been working with you for quite some time, um, through some injuries. And, um, and so we were orchestrating on how, okay, how can we bring you in to talk to our groups? Um, when I, I needed you myself. Um, so things changed a little bit as to why I reached out to you. So I'm going to, um, I'm just going to bring, um, bring us up to speed with your story, um, and where, 
my story was that when we met, because this is going to be so important to why this conversation of anatomy trains and fascia and healing the body ourselves becomes, um, becomes why we're here, why we're having this conversation in the first place. Um, first of all, I learned some new things about you today in hearing um, different places you lived and things that you did. And none of it surprises me because you're probably one of the more adventurous people that I know. Um, and thinking of you carrying all that camera equipment around at, at your height and stature, I would just, I, it, do, I, it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> um, so uh, for me, I had a uh, I think we met probably in January or February of 2000, 2019. So like about a year ago. Um, and I know we'd crossed paths here in Spokane a few times, but specifically where um, I needed to connect with you myself. Um, I had just had my second craniotomy and I was working my way back to running again. And uh, I was really struggling to come back. I just thought it's just like taking a break any other time. I was going to just jump right back into this thing of running a little more fatigue than I was used to. Um, but I didn't really expect, um, you know, any, any hurdles to, per se. And uh, then when I had been coaching our 5k group and realized I was having this pain in what I thought at the time was my shin, my calf. I wasn't really sure. Um, I've worked through uh, minor little aches and pains and injuries with runners just as they, you know, move through training. But, um, but this just didn't feel like anything that I had experienced with our runners or I had experienced for myself before. Um, it, uh, quickly became um, obvious that um, I had developed compartment syndrome in my uh, right calf, which is really significant to our conversation as to where it was located because my surgery was on the left side of my head. Um, it was my left eye. Um, so everything that I experienced, um, well, we'll get to that later. <laughs> as to why this pertains to um, our conversation of fascia. But um, I reached out to you. I'd been talking with Nikki and I reached out to you and just said, hey, everything that I'm hearing from people and everything that I'm reading about compartment syndrome says I'm kind of stopped in my tracks. I can't keep doing this thing of training back to running, but it also means I'll probably have to have surgery to remedy what's going on. And I had committed myself in 2019 that I was done with surgeries. I did not want another surgery <laughs> uh, that year. And, um, and so I reached out and said, you know, is there, are there any other ways to work around this besides uh, surgery? And uh, you had responded quickly. Yes, there is. Let's meet. Let's have coffee. And uh, <laughs> so we did. And you started to unfold a whole um, different perspective of how I was going to engage this injury and how I was going to begin to engage my body. I had no idea what was ahead for me in this other than I thought I would get maybe a few exercises from you that would help me to uh, fix this problem. Because that's 
typically how we understand PT work, right? Is that we're given some exercises and, and we get to get better. Um, but that didn't, that wasn't going to work for me. And you knew that. Yes. So, uh, so I would love it if you could, um, could share with, uh, me today, um, a little bit about, um, anatomy trains, um, fascia, how it connects to the body. And then after we kind of get that base, um, well, one, I just think there's so much that you unfolded for me that uh, branched into a lot of other conversations and interaction with our bodies in terms of healing. And this is why I look at your credentials and I go, that's so awesome. You wouldn't be where you are right now with all of that. And it's all of those credentials that you get to do what you do. But to, for me, um, Trisha, you are a healer, a very whole perspective healer. Um, you chose a different route with me in how to um, help me heal my body um, than I had ever experienced in the medical field. And so I think you just go beyond, um, like you said, you were searching yourself. There's, there's more to this than what I have in my hands right now. And that search has just uh, allowed you to be um, a true healer. Um, so I'd love it if you could explain to us what this thing called fascia is and why it's so important, um, whether we're athletes or not. Uh, most of us want to keep moving, um, and we know that movement is life. Um, without that continual ability to move, we limit so many things uh, in life. So, um, so let's talk fascia. Okay. So... Um... I'm just going to keep this as layman's terms as possible and how I speak to my runners. Would that work? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we'll, I'll throw in some big words, but try to keep it layman's terms. So basically um, fascia is the Cinderella tissue of the body to quote Tom Myers. It's been dissected out of the body. It's been tossed aside it has not been researched, especially by the West. But if you look at Eastern medicine, um, that's how a lot of their principles are based on the fascial network, more of an indigenous, intuitive uh, way. And the body truly does heal itself. And that's what I'm going to speak about and give references so people can look this up. And I encourage everybody to... I'll just, you know, look at what I say in a very objective manner, gather your data, and then go within yourself, ask yourself if this sounds true or not, and make up your own mind. Mm -hmm. Know that I, I, brought, I brought these things collectively together. I have 20 years of observing patients and runners, and I mostly work with runners now um, outside, outdoors, <laughs> in nature, where we're intended to run. Um, and I and the so these are what I brought together, and what comes out is coming out of me. And I encourage everybody to listen to this, do their own research, and make up their own mind what works for them, or as a practitioner, what's going to work for them with others. So I'd like to say that. Um, but fascia is basically um, it is in the old terms the connective tissue of the body. But what and, and it's it's there's layers of fascia. It's like a 
a web. It's this fibrin network web that is right under our skin and fat layer. That's the superficial fascia. And then fascia connects muscles to muscles. Fascia connects organs to organs, muscles to organs. Um, Fascia, the best way to let people know what it is, is you've seen it. If you've um, cooked a chicken or cut up a chicken, it's that white filmy stuff that you can see. That's what you can see, but it's also at a microscopic level as well. So it's this fibrin network. It's this web. And um, another way for you to visualize it is uh, those that webbing that you might see around a grapefruit in a store. Mm. Um, that, that net that you might see surrounding a, um, a piece of fruit. Or the Chinese finger pulls that you'll, you know, those old... Uh, you know, a child's toy. Um, it's that web and it surrounds, um, not only does it, is it underneath the fat layer in the, in the skin, but it surrounds a muscle. And if you cut that muscle open and you pull out a bundle of muscle fibers, it surrounds that. And if you cut that muscle fiber um, bundle and pull out one fiber, it surrounds that. So it's much like an orange. Nature never makes a mistake. Nature, when something works, nature repeats itself. So you can look at an orange and say, okay, that's the outer layer of my fascia. When you peel that, you'll have a membrane surrounding each wedge. You bite into that and you'll see all these juicy pockets with the membrane surrounding that. So the fascia tissue is our elastic tissue of the body. And how I explain it to runners is that is how your body runs. It'll taste this elastic tissue that's your entire web. It's this web in the whole body. And when you run, let's just segregate it down to the calf. When you run, that fascia tissue is storing energy as you're on the ground and releasing it as you come off the ground. So sports medicine is now looking at the fascia and fascia training as, you know, it's not just about muscle. Muscle's gotten all the press. Hmm. The good press and the injury press. But what they're starting to realize, it's I pulled a hammy or I have a calf strain. You've injured your fascia hmm. because you haven't trained your fascia. So this, um, these elasticity of the body is the fascia. We're on the runners, energy storage, energy release, energy storage, energy release. And when you utilize the fascia in running, you use 20% less oxygen and you're less likely to get injured and you're more efficient. And so that's when fascia is used is with the walk and the run, not so much on the bike and the swim as far as the elasticity, the ability to store energy and return it. And that's just one facet of fascia. So I want you to imagine, go ahead. I was going to say, would it be fair to say that our fascia is our bounce? Absolutely. It's called training the bounce. Okay. And so, you know, the, um, Muhammad Ali, okay? The boxers trained the bounce, jump mm-hmm. rope. That's how they were. Their feet, you'll never see them crash to the ground. Their feet are light, mm-hmm. ninja feet, light. They use their whole body to lift off the ground so they can do what they need to do is throw a punch and to duck punches and move quickly. So they've trained the bounce for years, okay? That's one facet of fascia. Now, I said it was a whole web. 
if I could, which I can't, take a knife, I would cut this entire web out of your body and it would look kind of like your shape. I could pull this whole web out of your body and there'd be muscles and organs hanging off all over it and cells swimming around like a, like a fishing net. Mm. Okay. And um, we could pull this whole web out of your body. So if I pulled out a kidney, you still have another one, you're going to live. But if I pulled out a heart or your fascial web, you will die. You will not make it without your fascia. And in 2018, CNN, NBC, ABC, Huffington Post had this huge national article. (laughs) And what they said, newfound organ could be in the biggest in your body. That's when we here in the U.S. started to recognize fascia. (laughs) But it's been recognized, I mean, especially by Eastern medicine for thousands of years. So not only, so I want you to think about on the, on the physical side and you know, as far as athletes, I have an IT band injury. The IT band injury is what stops them from running. 10 out of 10 panning, they can't run anymore. The IT band is just a zip code of the neuromyofascial web. Plantar fasciitis is just a zip code mm-hmm. of this fascial web. And for years, us, our Western medicine models have focused right at the injury site. Yeah. Not understanding this mechanical web that's in there that the IT band injury down at the outside of the knee could be coming up from the hip or the neck. <laughs> yeah. uh, plantar fasciitis could be coming all the way from the neck on the opposite side. So the massage therapist and the structural integrationist um, acupuncturists have understood these concepts for, I'm going to say years as far or thousands of years. So, um, this is where the anatomy trains blew my eyes wide open because they pulled 12 full lines out of the cadavers. When you started a muscle, let's say at the foot and you don't cut the fascia, don't cut it. What muscle did that lead you to? And then the next and the next and the next. So there's this 12 full lines came out of the body. Most of them are strength lines and spiral lines and rotational lines. Okay. But this one line where my jaw dropped was called the deep front line. And those of us in PT field and sports medicine, we've been calling that core, strengthen your core. Get this. (laughs) When you start at the foot and pull out the toe flexor muscles and you don't cut the fascia, it runs right into a muscle that controls the arch. And then that runs into a muscle that controls the knee. Then that, it actually unlocks the knee. Then that runs into a muscle into the adductors, which runs into the pelvic floor, hip flexors, and, um, hip external rotator, which control the knees and line them up. And they will run right into the diaphragm, right into uh, the esophagus, runs right into the neck stabilizers, the jaw muscles, and the tongue. So in other words, from toe flexors to tongue, you can pull that entire line out of the body. That is our deep front line. That's where my jaw dropped. That's when I looked and said, that's what's wrong with every one of my athletes, soccer players, runners, 
And when I put them in a squat or a single leg stance, they cannot hold that position because their deep front line is in dysfunction. And I could line up 10 runners with 10 different injuries and you can say, Trish, what's wrong with them? And I'll go deep front line dysfunction. Mm. That's all we've been training intuitively. Yoga instructors cue this deep front line intuitively um, for thousands of years. Us PTs that study movement and strength and conditioning coach and athletic trainers that, and even chiropractors, uh, we've segregated ourselves and we pointed fingers at each other going, you guys are wrong. No, you guys are wrong. No, let's get together. <laughs> and we're all starting to see the body and how it really, really moves. And this deep front line dysfunction is key to understanding where our injuries are coming from. So that's the physical side of fascia and how important training the elasticity, the ability of the fascia to store and release energy for runners, for boxers, javelin throwers, um, you name it, anything that's impacting the ground, um, you know, marathon runners, sprinters, you know, soccer players, whatever, the ability to store our fashion release. On top of that, you must have a functional deep front line that can support the 11 other lines that are doing the power work within the sport or the movement. Without the deep front line in function, the other fascial lines can't do their job. Now they're torquing on the joints in the wrong way. And now we get injuries. So that's the sports medicine side of fascia. And there's a whole other end of fascia, which I'll let you lead me into, or yeah. you can ask questions. Go for it. Well, um, I mean, as you talk, like my mind just bounces all over the place. Cause I go everything. Uh, my brain goes everywhere from things that I was uh, intuitively leaning towards that uh, for years that I didn't understand this connection with fascia, like running form and cadence, um, which I'm anxious to get into um, the rhythm mm-hmm. of the body cadence with um, fascia. But the, the other thing that's um, really striking me is that um, we, it's easy for us to see this in an athlete because we see how an athlete is supposed to be moving to be the most efficient or the most competitive um, in that sport, right? We see that there are certain body movements that they need to be able to do to get faster, to get stronger, to, um, to excel in their sport. Um, but it really does connect back to those of us who are sitting at work all day at a computer, yes. um, who may be going on walks in the daytime or when we get home from work, or um, maybe we do some um, strength training, um, but we're not necessarily competing for a sport right now. We may not even be a runner. Maybe we dabble in it here and there, but we don't know why our body hurts. Um, yes. We don't know why movement feels so difficult. Uh, why stairs feel like you're carrying 20 pounds on you every time you go up and down. Um, some of these things are just, uh, um, we th- it, it, I think the easy out is to say I'm really out of shape. Um, and we hear each other say that all the time. Like I'm, you know, <laughs> I can't do that. I'm so out of shape. I can't go hiking. I'm so out of shape. Um, what struck me in working with you as we approached my healing process from this uh, angle that you're talking about with healing my fascia um, was that it was months before I ever ran 
fact, you told me strictly, do not run. <laughs> like mm-hmm. we gotta, we gotta heal you before we set you out to run. And I remember that that first run that I took, I, I literally, you have this picture, uh, you want to be that runner who looks like a gazelle running, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're just like, it's so effortless and, uh, you have all this height in your run and all of that. And I literally felt that like it, I'm going, I could do this all day. And yes. I hadn't been running for months. And yet my body felt like it was ready for whatever I wanted to throw at it. So I, I would love it, um, Trish, just to, to bring it kind of, um, uh, real world to, um, to a specific injury to how you healed me. Um, what was going on when I came to you and I said, I think I have compartment syndrome. How does this happen? What's going on? What did you, uh, what was, I mean, why did I get compartment syndrome? Okay. So, um, Okay, now I'm going to quote Buckminster Fuller. Okay. Okay. Uh, around the world, he's known as a geodesic dome, the dome house. That's how he's known around the world. Uh, but um, the fascia researchers have taken a term that he's used called tensegrity. And tensegrity means compression and tension. It's the combined word. He actually invented it. And he invented these tensegrity models. And if you can imagine let's, uh, that you're going to create a round ball out of pencils and rubber bands, that's what his tensegrity models look like. So if, but the pencils are suspended in space. They're not connected pencil to pencil, but they're connected by rubber bands. So if you can imagine you've got a ball... <laughs> You've made this ball out of pencils and rubber bands. And if you were to pull on the right side of the ball, it's going to affect the left side and the top and the bottom. And that's how our fascia works as well. Okay. And that's Buck, Mr. Fuller and uh, Tom Myers worked under him and um, tensegrity compression and tension is huge to us understanding how the fascia works. And when it's not sliding and gliding the way it should be, I just want to say the research is showing we don't stretch fascia. Fascia doesn't stretch. (laughs) That's now been proven. Okay. Fascia, if you can imagine, is in your body in layers. And when you're stuck and tight and can't move, it's because your layers of fascia, if you can just imagine these nets, (laughs) these nets stacked on top of each other, they're not sliding and gliding. Hmm. That's why we go to acupuncture and massage and we move. We're not stretching the fascia. We're getting the layers to slide and glide. In a nutshell, your your, um, fascia layers were not sliding and gliding at all. And they were restricting blood flow, fluid flow, and nerve conduction. Hmm. And basically your legs hurt. But the reason I brought in Buck Mr. Fuller is um, he used to, he quote, and I don't know where the original quote came from, maybe Aristotle, but the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And intuitively, I have felt that way 
forever. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why school didn't make sense to me. And, and the world didn't make sense to me until, believe it or not, fascia came along because we were picking apart these parts and we were trying to understand the whole body by picking apart the parts <laughs> instead of fuck Mr. Fuller, um, you know, his, his words, instead of a synergistic approach, looking at totality and integration and the behavior of the whole. Okay. And so we were just, we, we, we need to look at the whole. So the answer to your question is not one answer. Here's why you had compartment syndrome, Jess, and me staring at your calves and saying, here's why. No, your compartment syndrome isn't what's stopping you from running. Mm-hmm. Okay. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. It's not your compartment syndrome. It's the whole. It's the totality of you. I felt like after t- talking with you um, that very first time that um, I'd been given permission to actually listen to my body and what it was saying. And compartment syndrome was just a voice from my body saying, something's wrong here, Jess. You need to pay attention. Yes. And, and it wasn't really about uh, the compartment syndrome, which you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, just so that anybody who's not sure what that is, um, is the the muscle protruding through the fascia. And the risk of that is cutting off circulation to the muscle, correct? Yes. Yep. And so, fluid flow, not just blood yes. flow, but just fluid flow as well. So uh, if I had continued to allow myself to move forward as a, you know, just push through that, push through that. Um, I could do damage to the muscle tissue as well. So this wasn't just a, um, Hey, let's foam roll it out. And actually that's not what I should have done, but, um, it was, uh, it really was, there's a bigger, um, bigger conversation going on in my body and it's time for you to listen to it. Um, and that, yes, and that was Mr. the game changer. Yeah, and Buck, Mr. Fuller has a quote, the intelligence of any organism is greater than the sum of the intelligence of its parts. Mm. So, you know, the intelligence of your parts, your, um, your fascia was, your body was speaking to you, your fascia was speaking to you. I'm going to go into that in a second. Of your legs going, no, you're not running because you need to pay attention to everything. Isn't it funny and, how it just stops us in our tracks? It's like our body yes. says, no, you, you are not allowed to do this right now. Yes. Um, and so one thing about the fascial web, it is the intranet of the body. Remind me to come back to that. Okay. But in our Western society likes to focus on parts. We like to, we like to you know, a Buckminster said, society quite content to all they know is about parts, quite content to be specialized, that all the parts will add up. No, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. So for those people that want to know the part, (laughs) your muscles, the muscles in your legs, let's say someone's going to go from couch to marathon, those muscles will hypertrophy. 
and get and the cell fibers, the actual muscle fiber will grow and hypertrophy and become bigger in 12 weeks. Fascia takes six to 24 months to adapt. Six to 24 months. So you can imagine you know, that you are, this muscle is growing quite quickly under this fascia that doesn't grow and expand that, that, that quickly. So that's kind of the layman's turn of, of, um, of compartment syndrome. And then it starts to cut, cut off blood flow, fluid flow, nerve mm-hmm. conduction. So our Western society surgeons like, okay, we'll just cut the fascia. Yeah. We'll just cut the fascia. Uh-huh. So the muscle <laughs> instead of, you know, okay, your body is, is speaking to you saying, Hey, you're going about this mar- couch to marathon in the wrong, wrong way. Let's go couch to 5k you know, let's train, let's, let's honor our body. Let's listen to us. Let's train it properly. Give me some time to adapt because the, the cellular unit of the fascia is called the fibroblast. The fibroblast right now is adapting to what you're doing right now, Jess. If you are sitting your fibroblast in your body and all over every it's your fibroblasts and your fascias all over your body is adapting to what you're doing right now. If you're sitting, it's going, Oh, okay. We're sitting. If you go walk, it's like, Oh, okay. We're walking. And so in our um, Western society of sitting and sitting at our desk and driving everywhere, our hip flexors are tight, our deep front lines in dysfunction because we are adapting to that body position. You're not going to find near the orthopedic problems in India and mm. other countries like that, because we are ruining our bodies and we're putting our preschoolers in chairs and we're reducing recess and we're sending them home with three hours of homework every night. Yeah. You know, not our preschoolers, but you know, our high right, school and right. college kids. That's how we're becoming injured. But the answer to your question is what caused compartment syndrome? I'd like to bring in what I felt was missing in my entire practice. In the clinical setting, in Western medicine and the laws of out of my scope of practice, I could only treat 25% of that athlete that was walking through my door, the physical. I wasn't allowed to touch the emotional, spiritual, or mental side of it. And, but you cannot treat the physical without the spiritual, emotional, mental bodies being involved. They are not segregated. <laughs> they are very integrated. And so I look at you and your story, your surgeries. You went first, the trauma of what physically happened within the brain. And then your body went through the trauma of surgery. Mm -hmm. You went through the emotional, spiritual, even mental and physical, um, if you will, injury of not being able to be, to run. Mm -hmm. To having to being taken away from your your um, social network, mm. you know the 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 the, tr- the just the trauma of being fearful. Am I going to live? Am I going to die? What's my face going to look like after all of this? Mm-hmm. You went through your your outlet, your your physical release of running gone, which to me running is a very spiritual, mental, mm-hmm. emotional. All the bodies come in. I. I can't stand that we have segregated again. We have segregated our healthcare workers. You'll have a mental health counselor sitting over in that part of town and your sports medicine doc over here and your massage therapist over here. 
and you know your your pastor or priest or your spiritual um leader over here no one's talking to each other and you're going bouncing from one to another and there's no integration right and and this is what we have done and so when you looked, you, you know, compartment syndrome is actually what physically stopped you from running, <laughs> right. but it was your body saying, Hey, Jess, yeah. attention. We're speaking to you. We're trying to talk to you. And then I think, you know, me being aware and now you being aware of, of having to address all four bodies mm. and, and it's, and it's like, you know, you may need to get to the physical body to one place. So now the emotional body can take a step forward in healing. Then if you get the emotional body and physical body in one spot, then, then the mental body can take another step. And then now that those took a rise, then maybe now you can take the next step with the physical, then the spiritual goes, okay, now because you three are, are on board, now I can take the next step. And they're interacting and trading all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, does that make sense? Absolutely. I, I yeah. when we would start training people to run for the very first time um, in a, a couch to five k kind of program, um, before we ever got started, I would tell them, um, "You feel like you're going to train your body, but you're going to train so much more during this time. Um, you're going to train. Uh, you're going to train your muscles. They're going to get stronger. They're going to perform differently for you than they've performed in the past." You're going to train your lungs um, to learn to breathe and allow more Mm -hmm. um, oxygen, you know, uh, to supply to the body. You're going to train your heart. Um, Your heart's going to get healthier. It's going to, um, has to pump all that blood to the, you know, to all the parts of your body while you're in exertion. Um, And we've got to train that to a place. You can't just go run a marathon (laughs) and expect that it will perform. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that we have to train is our mind, which is often one of the hardest um, pieces to train. At this time, I was not talking fascia, but um, but training uh, your mind uh, to um, to say I can do this, um, I'm capable of doing this, um, changing a bit of our identity from never being a runner to now being a runner because mm-hmm. um, your body's that. listening to what your yeah. mind is saying. Right. And, yeah. um, and the key to all of these systems um, that I saw with beginner runners was that if you trained any one of those too fast ahead of the other mm-hmm. um, injury usually happened. And yes. um, so if we, if we focused on, um, on the muscle part <laughs> uh, and we went too fast and we went too hard, um, our lungs and our heart can't keep up with that. So we don't actually supply the body what it needs to keep at that pace or to keep at that exertion level. Um, yes. And if we don't allow our mind to be uh, in cohesive um, agreement with the training plan that we're going to do, then um, we either get fatigued with it mentally or overwhelmed or um, or sometimes it's the opposite. We're so gung ho about it that we don't take care of the body in the process. And, um, it's like, it's like I told you, Trisha, we, we, there were bits and pieces along the way, kind of where you said, I feel like something's missing where I knew that there was connection, um, to something more whole 
but I was still listening to my body in pieces because like you said, this is how, particularly in a, um, in Western world medicine, we, okay, my leg hurts. Well, that usually means one kind of doctor. Um, my eyes are having problems. That's a different kind of doctor. And we, we, uh, we learn to care for our body in parts. Yes. When it came to actually uh, truly healing, not just reducing a symptom. Um, this was a whole, a whole nether approach um, to understand, um, okay, this is, I have this thing happening in my calf. Um, I've, I've started coming back to running. My muscles are starting to grow, but my fascia is not ready for this. Um, why I had to start asking the question, why is my fascia not ready for this? And that began the journey of going up my body to say, this isn't just about what's happening here. It's resulting here, but it started somewhere else. Um, and one of the things that I, I remember, um, after talking with you, I needed to make sure that anybody who was helping me to fix what was wrong with my body. I, I had a big stake on the table to heal. It wasn't just about coming back to running. I had booked this trip to Africa, a running trip, <laughs> a running retreat. I needed to run in Africa. And this was uh, about nine months away from the time that, or maybe six months away from the time you and I met. And I thought, I can't be stopped in my tracks. I have this big thing, this big, expensive, huge life thing. Um, I need to get there. And um, so putting together a team of people who were understanding my body the way that you were was really critical. Like you said, nobody's talking to each other. So you and I decided we're going to start talking to each other. <laughs> um, we're going to look for that massage therapist who's speaking the same language as you. Um, my MD was speaking the same language as you. My chiropractor that I chose was speaking the same language. They all understood this uh holistic, um, experience mm -hmm. in the body. Um, and I had to, and for me, I had to deal with the, the soulful, the spiritual part of healing yes. self from the traumas. Um, it took all of those parts to allow me to run again. Um, so let's talk about what it, what it was that was critical to healing fascia. Um, we know that if it's uh, um, if it's if it's not healthy, it, it it causes restrictions in the body. So yes, what is it? What is it that we need when we our body starts screaming at us? We have a restriction somewhere. Um, just kind of talk on on that and how we move um, from that place of injury through identifying what our, I guess it's maybe identifying isn't the right word. Cause I would rather you identify my problem for me, but, um, right. but in terms of uh, how we actually get through this process of healing. Um, the fascia. Okay. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a lot of bullet points or we're going to call them fun fascia facts. Okay. Okay. How's that? Yeah. And I'll try and get in everything that I want to. First of all, the book, the body keeps score. Brain, mind, and body in healing of trauma. The trauma could be emotional trauma. It could be physical surgery is trauma. The body remembers. And, and 
you know, John F. Barnes, myofascial release uh, specialist, he, you know, he's, he says that emotions stored in our fascia and that, that has been poo-pooed for a long time. So I'm going to give you some bullet points and, and where Western medicine has now finally caught up and proving this uh, to the point where I don't think Medicare can deny massage therapy much longer. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go. So basically I, I, I said this quote already that, um, the, the, the myofascial web, it is the intranet of the body. It is the communication intranet of the body. The fibroblast of the fascia is communicating with each other and communicating with other cells in your body. This is what's speaking to you. And this is where we have to learn to listen to our body. It is the intranet. Okay. So I'm going to start with, um, what uh, people know, I mean, the term is called a somato-emotional release. Somato just means body, and emotion means motion and release. And I'm going to give you an actual real-life story. Uh, when I was a physical therapist, you know, didn't know any of this stuff. It was probably 15 years ago or so. I had a World War II vet walk in, and he was grumpy, and he was mad, and he, and he said, I don't want to be here. My doctor made me. And he goes, and he looks at me and he goes, you get three visits. I'm like, challenge accepted. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, and it was great because I'd worked with a lot of World War II vets and their stories in the media. So I understood him. You know, I understood enough of, you know, of, of him and his energy. And people think the World War II vets are all these heroes and they have no problems. And no, they hurt. They, they've gone through a lot of trauma. You know, and so I, you know, I do a minimal, you know, little scan exam and just make sure he's cleared medically to be there. And, and I give him a few exercises because I knew he wouldn't do a bunch. And I said, and I just use the layman's term, would you like a massage? And he lays down, he faces away from me and I'm working on his back. And I, he's, I notice tears are coming out of his eyes mm-hmm. and I don't mention them, but he starts to tell me about the death and he goes, and not the famous one, not the one in Japan, the one in Germany, the one that no one talks about. Mm. And tears were being released as I worked on his back. And, you know, he, then he told me how he was never married and he wouldn't bring children into this world. And he left and he actually came back and he came back for the third time and said, um, and each time he just wanted a massage. He said he was doing his three exercises and and that's what we did. And each time he got lighter and there was less tears and some cheer came back into his voice. And six months later, he walks in with a crate of cherries. So it told me he does nurture life. Mm. Cherries that he grew himself. So this somato-emotional release, we've seen it. Uh, yoga instructors have told me how someone will be doing a hip opener and then just suddenly have these vivid memories and start to cry. And so basically, here is um, the mind-body connection and the emotional, which I think leads into the spiritual. So basically, if we have a hip opener yoga or someone's being massaged, this is a change and a mechanical tension in the body that coincides with a emotional response. Okay? So... And, and basically, 
there is science behind this. In the brain, we have our neurons and they have gotten all the press. The old um, term, we use 10% of our brain. It's because the neurons, there's about 10% of the cells in the brain are neurons. Well, now they've actually found out it's 15%. And the other cells were just ignored. Oh, they're just support cells or they were called spider cells. And now they have got more names like an astrocyte, uh, oligodendrocytes, microglial cells. Well, these are the glial cells. And yes, this is the fascia of the brain. Hmm. And basically these glial cells, which is Greek for glue, okay, they are the brains of the brains. These glial cells tell the neurocytes what to do. So this fascia is running the show. They are the communication cells. They'd be like having little cell phones in your brain. This one cell's like, oh, here's what we going, got going on. And they're going to communicate with another glial cell, you know, via either electrical or chemical interactions or what have you. And they're studying that now. And then these glial cells, the fascia of the brain, are now communicating with the fascia in your body. Okay? So mm. Einstein... He um, told his friend, yeah, you can have my body uh, when I pass away. Then Einstein's family said, no, you can't. And this professor lost his job at the university that he was at. He was at. It's a long story. It's kind of fun. Um, and I've got the book where you can get that story out of. It's called Fascia, Why It Is and Why It Matters. Basically, he stole Einstein's brain, kept it in a cardboard box under his desk, And there was a woman that said, can you please send me samples and would bug this guy for years to send a sample. And he finally did. And when she was able to look at a sample of um, his brain, her name was Marion Diamond. um, She saw that he had more glial cells, Einstein, her neuron, than than any other uh, brain that she had looked at. So, uh, there's a book called The Root of Thought, uh, based old in our terms right now as far as fascia, 2009. Uh, Glial cells seem to hold the key to intelligence, creativity, imagination, thoughts, and dreams. So, Einstein had twice as many glial cells as the average brain. So, the long story short here is there may be a fascia-glial crossover of the mind-body connection. So if you can imagine, you stretch a fibroblast, which, by the way, the fibroblast in the fascia in the body looks microscopically, or these images, these incredible images they've been able to get, looks exactly like a glial cell in the neural network of the brain. So you do a mechanical change of the fascia, it communicates with the glial cell in the brain, and then that glial cell communicates with every other glial cell and who knows what's happening, but then this, this emotional release and this, this trauma that's being stored in the body. Hmm. If, if the human being knows what's happening, and if they don't shut it down, that's the thing. We need to give, the yoga instructors need to give their clients permission. If this happens, let it be. That's how your, your body's healing itself. Don't get embarrassed. Don't shut it down. In massage, same same thing. If you're with a mental health counselor that understands this process, which the EMDR mm-hmm. counselors do, 
your body and your mental body and your physical body and your emotional and spiritual body are all working together through science now saying the mind-body connection is the glial cell in the brain to the fibroblast in the body are now all working together if we have the permission to let it go to let it work then the glial cells were if you can imagine can maybe get those those uh neural cells in the body to release those tears and then those memories can go and then the the storage can then of the trauma can be then released and then as it's released in the in the mental spiritual emotional body then the physical body the hip opener or releasing this pow's um Mm -hmm. back that physical release then happens and then they feed off of each other. So that could be the fascial glial crossover. The mind body connection is going to be through the fascia and the brain to the fascia of the body is my long story short there. Well, it, it's absolutely, I mean, I'm identifying with what you're saying so much. Um, when we, uh, one of the things that you had asked me to do, um, you know, in the, in healing my body process was uh, to look for a massage therapist who understood, you know, the same things that you were, the fascia lines and uh, anatomy trains and all of this, all of this stuff that you're talking about. And um, so I found um, a massage therapist um, here in Spokane that uh, was excited to, to, to work on me in that, uh, with that agenda, not just release a knot in my body but to, uh, to holistically heal my body. And, Mm -hmm. um, I'd gone to him multiple times. I don't, I actually don't remember how many times I saw him. Um, but, uh, he says, I haven't seen anybody this stuck in a long time. Yeah. And, um, he never actually, uh, addressed anything below my knee. Um, to work on compartment syndrome and never touched my calf. Um, he spent a lot of time in my neck, shoulders. Um, and at one point, uh, it, these were like 90 minute sessions. It was not an experience like, oh, I got a massage today. I just feel like I'm floating. It was deep work. Um, mm-hmm. I, it was, um, I was almost, I was really tired by the end of it. Um, and I remember moments of being, um, highly emotional. Um, like I had just tapped in this, like, what, what is that? (laughs) Why am I feeling this? I don't even know what that is. And, um, then at one point we, he had been working on my, uh, I think it was my left or my right, same side as the compartment syndrome, but my right, um, quad. And at one point he just kind of stepped back and he said, we have to have a talk. He said, I cannot get this quad to release. And he said, there's something else going on here. And he goes, Mm -hmm. I think um, that you have to start communicating to your body that it's safe. Yes. Yes. Because it hadn't been safe for so long. And he said, he said, you know what? You don't remember the surgery. Um, They put you out. Um, yes. you have these two massive, you know, craniotomies We're we're doing major trauma to the head. Right. And, uh, he says, they put you under for those. And so what, you know, 
is healing from it. You know the emotion that goes into making the decision to do this. But your body was not asleep. Your body was fully awake. He says your yes. fascia was fully awake. It experienced every moment of the trauma of those two surgeries. And he says, mm -hmm. so you have to teach your body now that it's safe. Then we're not doing this again. We're not going back in there. We're okay. Yes. And he says, your, your quad just isn't going to release until you tell your fascia that it's safe. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, I, uh, first of all, I never had a practitioner talk to me like, like yeah. that. I had an emotional responsibility to my healing, right? Yeah. Um, and I had to figure out what, what did that mean? What did it mean to tell my body it was safe? If my fascia experienced craniotomies, um, my brain, all these cells that, that you mentioned that are um, communicating to each other, they all experience these two traumatic events. Mm -hmm. um, how was I going to convince them that they're okay now? Yeah. And, so, and sometimes it's just so simple. It's just you talk, you say, you know what, body, here's what happened. I had this tumor. Here's why I did surgery. Here's what it did. Here's why I needed to do it. Now I'm I hear you. I hear you. And talk to me. Tell me what I need. I mean, it's, it becomes that simple. And it's very interesting um, that it was in your quad because before I found Tom Myers in anatomy trains and all this research, I was observing, uh, especially women that came in with bilateral hip pain. Their lives were a mess. They were afraid to move forward. Mm. And it's, and, but their bodies were also afraid to move forward. And, you know, and I've seen, you know, sometimes the, you know, the, the, the patient would, you know, maybe spill a little bit of their childhood or a little bit mm -hmm. of a bad marriage, uh, but bilateral hips, bilateral knees. So bilateral hips, severely, they're stuck. They are afraid to move forward. Knees, they've moved forward a little bit, but they're afraid to take the next step. And bilateral plantar fasciitis, huge emotional component to it. I've seen huge emotional components to them. And I'm smiling and knowing that my kinesio tape and my, mm -hmm. you know, my astem and, and all this stuff, you know, hip core, of course I did all the physical part of it. But I knew a much bigger part was that they either needed to move forward out of a bad job or a bad relationship. And it's funny, I remember one woman that's like, yeah, all of a sudden, da 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 da, -da and da 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 da. And she goes, oh, by the way, I got a new job. And I'm like, yep, yeah, that was it. it. You know, I'm sure my tape helped and all the hip and core and whatever, mm -hmm. but it was her new job. <laughs> and so I, I know our time's coming up, but I really want to touch on the telocyte. Yes. I think this no, is I really huge. Do. I do because, um, and, and I do want to make, I want to make this mention, and I don't know if this is where you're headed. Um, so I'm sorry. Uh, you can stop oh, go me for if it. I am. But um one of the things that, uh, that happened, uh, he saw me no longer. Um, that was my last session with him. And he said, I've done everything that I can to release your fascia. He says, the rest mm -hmm. is up to you. So mm -hmm. I work on me. I work on this emotional aspect of telling my body it's safe and having new conversations and listening. Right. Um, and then you and I go to work 
on um, giving life back to my fascia mm -hmm. um, and giving it permission to do the things that it was functionally designed to do. Um, and so the therapy that you did with me, the exercises, which I'm returning to again, um, mm -hmm. in, <laughs> I have to say this, Tricia, uh, it, it's been a long haul this year of uh, just, I think, stresses and just different, different things on my plate um, and uh, needing to listen to my body again, needing to repeat this cycle again, which I think is just what we're, what we have to do on a regular basis. But um, and I started my exercises that you had given me. I started them again yesterday. My body was just hurting and I could just feel like when fascia gets restricted, it's almost like mm -hmm. you can feel yourself pulling into a ball yes. and you don't know how to stretch back out of it. And, uh, so I thought, okay, I, I know what I'm supposed to do. I started with meditation that morning, Good. I had a, a cup of tea and I just calmed my morning. And then I went in and I started my exercise that you had given me uh, last year. And today, when I went back to do those exercises, just one day, <laughs> the, the bounce that I had today <laughs> that I didn't have yesterday is profound. Um, it's just, it's, I think the fascia, I think our bodies want to respond to being given an environment um, to heal, to be listened to, and to, uh, you know, to be trained. I mean, this is the exercises you gave me were training my fascia um, to be healthy again, but it was, it's training it to do the thing it's designed to do, to bounce, to move. And I think yeah. it wants to do that. Absolutely. I'm smiling because this is a great lead-in. Okay, perfect. <laughs> this Go is a it. great lead-in. Okay, so one, if our body keeps score and it's storing trauma, how can the cells function? Your fascia is not sliding and gliding. How can they function and do their job? Because physical trauma, emotional trauma decreases fluid flow, water decreases blood flow then you know the cells of the fascia can't do their job. And then you know the telocytes, which I'm bringing in, which is the repair cell of the body, um, can't do its job. But what you, so if you, you know, you work, um, you know, you release the trauma out of the body. Now the body can physically do its job. Out of a book, pretty new one called Fascia Training, A Whole Systems Approach, um, Listen to this, and I'm just going to quote page 38. You literally have millions of little fibroblasts crawling around your body, leaving a trail of slime behind them. But it's your movement that organizes the slime. So, Jess, you are organizing your slime. Mm. The fibroblasts can't do anything but leave it behind. It doesn't build bone. It doesn't build cartilage. Forces build those things so what happens after this lattice work comes out of the fibroblasts think of a silkworm i guess um, is entirely dependent on the forces you put into the body load makes the cell go there by creating ionic flow into the tissue that these cells are listening to so you put load into the tissue those cells migrate there they lay down the traffic and then you come along and organize it with your movement in a positive way, hopefully. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
So that's what you're doing. Movement is medicine. Movement heals the body. Your movement decides how you become organized and how you slide and glide. And the converse to that is also you can have negative things happening like emotional, physical trauma, surgeries. That's also organizing the body, but not Mm -hmm. in a positive way. So that's that. Now, fibroblasts, the cells of the fascia, are mechanosensitive. In other words, they respond to mechanically being pushed on, to being moved, um, acupuncture, massage, all that other stuff. Now, I want to bring in this amazing, and it can't do its job unless it has all the fluid flow and the mobility, because the biggest thing about fascia, the fourth ingredient of fascia, you know, it's got cells, the fiber network, and it's got these gags. I'm not, it's a fancy word, Um, but these cells need to mix with water. Water is the fourth and essential ingredient of your fascia. Without water, it doesn't matter how much you drink, it's can the water get to these cells and can it get into the uh, fascial um, network and its matrix? Um, and if you get a lump on your leg, well, guess what? That's a dry spot in your fascia. So you better massage it and squeeze the tissue so water can get in there. And the water will bring in nutrient nutrients with it and take metabolic waste out, just like blood flow. So we always have to think about water. So water is an ingredient to a healthy fascial web and its ability to slide and glide. Without water, blood flow, which gets restricted by tight fascia, the cells cannot do their job. There's this amazing cell that they found. So I'm just going to kind of diss America a little bit but while we're getting all excited about actually finding uh, this newfound organ in our body in 2018, the Romanians found a cell called the telocyte. The telocyte is the repair remodeling cell of the body. The Romanians found it in 2014. A great article for the average person to understand is called um, telocytes, connective tissue repair and communication cells. There it is again, another cell in the fascial uh, network in the interstitial tissue that's a communicator called telocytes. In the old days, and I was uh, in PT school, I have an anatomy book, and I might have a little arrow pointing to the cell in the epidermis or dermis or in the interstitial tissue that said cajil like cell. And they said, oh, it's a nurse cell. It's a support cell. It doesn't really do anything. Okay, so these cells that really didn't do anything that the Romanians found in 2014 are the repair cells of the body. And the best way to make this simple, imagine if you had a repairman at your house, one repairman sitting by your air conditioner and one sitting by your dryer and one sitting by your dishwasher and one sitting by your garage door. And when your garage door broke, that repairman and only that repairman repaired the garage door. And when your air conditioner went down, that guy repaired it. And they're just sitting there waiting for something to go wrong. And they've got all the tools and everything they need. And they will repair Johnny on the spot. Hmm. That's what our telocytes are. Our old anatomy books would show uh, artery, a capillary, smooth muscle, muscle, nerve, uh, a fibroblast, an immune cell. And it would show this. 
and say, yep, this is what your body looks like. These telocytes look like jellyfish. They have this like cell body and these long projections, like these tentacles, you know. And at the end is this thing called a podium. And this podium is like this bulb-like structure way away from its cell body. And it's one, a podium sitting there monitoring a capillary. And one's monitoring a nerve. And one is communicating with an immune cell. And electrical and chemical signals are going back and forth all the time. And let's say the capillary gets injured. The podium will detect oh, okay, through a chemical or electrical signal. Maybe there's blood in the system, a hemoglobin that in an area it shouldn't be. And that podium will go, oh, something's wrong, communicate to the cell body, and then that podium makes repair material, fats, DNA, protein, and sends it off in what they're calling an EV, like ET phone home, <laughs> extracellular vesicle. It sends it off in an EV and it dumps the repair material right over the capillary and repairs it. <laughs> this wow. is fascinating. The research exploded in 2018, blew up even more in 2019. Gosh knows where we are now. But a lot of the research is coming out of the Eastern European countries. It's starting to make its way into Germany. Singapore, um, you know, Bosnia, uh, all these, um, you know, Sweden, where else do I have? Brazil, um, you know, not much coming, unfortunately, out of the Americas or, you know, or at least, you know, our um, North America. And I've got all kinds of papers here. And the fascinating thing is, is that, um, in people with inflammatory and, um, and fibrotic disorders, they have done biopsies and found a drastic reduction of telocytes in their interstitium. Hmm. So, and then another paper came out saying, okay, is it the disease, like inflammatory bowel disorder, is it the disease that's causing the reduction in telocytes? Or is it the reduction in telocytes that's causing the disease? Our research needs to go down there. And then I'm going to put all these pieces, parts, and give you, quote, my opinion. Okay. <laughs> okay? Yeah. But in 2019, there was a paper called, um, I, I love this because this is the first time the, the, the term has been used. Okay. They are talking about telocyte-associated diseases that may be possibly now be called telocytopathies. Telocytopathies might be another person, um, way to pronounce it. Interesting, huh? That was a 2019 paper. Okay. Okay. Uh, the Department of Rheumatology and Inflammation Research out of Gothenburg, Sweden. They are. They did a paper on the extracellular vesicles that are releasing their material, the repair material. Um, maybe they're, look, they're looking at what's in these extracellular vesicles, these repair materials, to see if how they can help in regeneration medicine. With heart, yes, there are telocytes that are wrapping the hearts. Drastic reduction of telocytes noticed, noticed in people with heart attacks. 
So the regeneration medicine is going to be musculoskeletal, joint, and heart if they study what's in these extracellular vesicles. So that's kind of the science of it. Anybody can, uh, we can quote all these papers and where they, uh, where I got these from, but here's where my mind got blown. Okay. We know the fibroblasts have been studied and respond to massage. 2017 paper, Journal of Body Works and Movement Therapies, okay, has now proven the mechanosensitivity of telocytes. In other words, telocytes also respond to movement and massage modalities. In Mm -hmm. other words, the massage therapist of Eastern medicine saying massage helps your body heal. Yes, (laughs) proven. Wow. Massage are stimulating these telocytes. And if the telocytes are the repair cells of the body, yes, the body does heal itself. But my thought is with this, if you introduce emotional and or physical trauma into the body, now you've reduced your blood flow and fluid flow. Now the telocytes can't do their jobs and maybe because of lack of nutrients through fluid flow and blood flow, they seem to die off. Is that what's now leading to our fibrotic and inflammatory disorders? Hmm. That is my thought. I know they're wondering chicken or the egg is did the telocytes die and that's where the disease came or did the disease cause the reduction of the telocyte? I don't know, but all I do know is the people I've seen with inflammatory disorders and, um, and fibrotic disorders usually had a rough childhood or didn't have an easy life. There's a lot of trauma in their bodies. So that's kind of my opinion on what came first. Hmm. But if we don't get movement and mechanical loads in there and fluid flow and blood flow, I do know our telocytes and fibroblasts cannot do their job. And this is the repair cell of the body and the communicators of the body. There we go. Becomes pretty simple. Hmm. You know, it, some of the, my mind is just going a million directions, Trish. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, I am going to sit on that one for a while. Um, Okay. I think uh, it just knowing, knowing everything that we've talked about, let's say at the very least we approach our bodies with listening ears with, um, with care. We know the fascia, uh, needs, um, needs things that we can provide through movement and, um, massage and, um, load and all, all of these different things that we can put in place to heal that at the very minimum, that's going to allow us that movement that maybe the telocytes need. And, um, and I just, to the empowering thought that um, I, I can change the game with my body at any given point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, that I don't. Um, that I can have a different kind of relationship with my body. Um, that's going to allow us uh, the whole being to be um, to be healthy, to be able to engage the world. Um, I don't even see it as small incremental steps. The 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 attention that if I just listen to my body and say, 
uh, my fascia is needing something from me. <laughs> if I don't even mm-hmm. pay attention to another organ in my body, I'm telling you, it's just like, it's leaps. It's not little steps that change when I pay attention to it. It's leaps. And, um, and I just, I, I think that what one, what you're doing and what you're doing for your, um, for your clients uh, is giving them life back, giving them the opportunity um, to keep moving. Um, we, I've been hearing a lot in the news. Um, I need to listen to the news a lot less, but, um, but as, we try, <laughs> as we're trying to somehow gather some kind of credible science in all of this stuff around COVID, um, one of the things that keeps coming up is that the that allowing stress to exist during this time in our body mm-hmm. actually reduces our ability to fight the virus if we did encounter it. Yes. And, um, and I don't think that that takes a whole lot of stretch to get to that thinking. I think we kind of, uh, American medicine at least has come to that, that we know stress is a, a big indicator of fighting off, um, you know, things like virus. Um, but I think taking it, uh, to the level that you're talking about, um, it, it would be a game changer in us being able to, um, you know, to say whether it's COVID or it's um, autoimmune or it's, um, you know, physical injury like I had, um, listening to our body, caring for our body, um, paying attention to um, what it needs um, and responding to it, um, I think would change a lot about about us as a whole, as a society, as well as individually in our homes. And, um, and that, that idea excites me. I know that me, me giving focus for a year specifically on healing my body um, changed all of my relationships. Um, it had to because I was changing how I was interacting with those relationships because they were things that were being brought into my body, um, whether mm-hmm. it was um, inhibiting healing or encouraging healing. Um, so we can't, we just can't, like you said, we can't, uh, parse this thing out to body parts, um, and to heal one part. I, I, uh, had mentioned to you, um, yesterday that there was something that, um, Tom Myers had said in a very quick, uh, Mm -hmm. YouTube video that he kind of says, just explaining what the anatomy trains are. Um, and I'll link it, um, in our show notes as well, but he said, it just, it kind of stopped me. I had to stop the video and write it down. He said, the whole is real. Any division is conceptual. Yes. That isn't how we are taught to think about our bodies. And the freedom to actually embrace that um, actually gives me the power to begin the healing process of my own body. Um what I would like. Yes. And, and his mentor, Buck, Mr. Fuller said, quote, let's start with the whole, then no <laughs> variables will be left out. There you go. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's really an opposite thinking of what we're used to in, um, in. Western and I life. think that applies to everything. And, you know, speaking of that, you know, I've been to eight different run analysis experts in this country and, um, just looking at the whole, uh, Nicholas Romanoff, you know, uh, the, he developed, um, the pose. He says he didn't develop, he discovered what they call the pose method. Mm-hmm. And that's how I approach my runners. But he takes these same concepts 
that the fascia researchers are taking in Buckminster Fuller and the whole is real. Any division is conceptual in the West. We've taught our runners uh, pieces, parts, fire your glutes, paw back, do this, do that, high knee drive. And I think if we approach anything with the whole is real, any division is conceptual. That's why I gravitate towards Nicholas Romanoff and how he teaches the run because he's like, teach the movement the body will teach itself. Hmm. And it also teaches us how smart our bodies really are. You listen to your body and accept the wholeness of your body and the four bodies that you and I talked mm-hmm. about. The body is incredibly intelligent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, uh, it doesn't just want to survive. It actually wants to thrive. It wants. I was hoping you'd go there. Yes. Um, yes. um, Because I think surviving says that we, we, uh, we contain something. Um, We, we control, uh, we keep it in the box that it needs to be in to keep it safe. Um, Mm -hmm. Thriving is to me is just this, this freedom to be exactly what it was intended to be. Um, and I think that's where we unleash the potential, um, physically, emotionally, spiritually of who we are, um, is when, when our goal is to thrive, our goal isn't to survive this. Um, it's, it's just a, such a different, um, for me, it was a, it was a shift and a, and a different approach, uh, to life in general. And it's one I have to come back to again and again, we introduce new trauma into life and we have to start Mm -hmm. the process again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and putting the right team of people in your life to help you through that is, is absolutely critical. Um, and yeah, you know, and my friend who's, um, was a mental health counselor, it's just interesting how she'd been in her field for 20 years, just like me going, something's missing, mm-hmm. something's missing. And, you know, she's an athlete herself and qualified for Kona as a triathlete. Um, but she, um, through uh, EMDR and anyone can look that up in the body keeps score book I referenced mm-hmm. um, EMDR itself. It was actually developed in nature uh, by looking at leaves and um, but it encompasses all four bodies as well. It uses what the client's physical body is speaking, what it's saying and then the emotional body, and it uses the mental, and which all leads to health of the spiritual body. So she, she's like, she just like me went, wow, this mm-hmm. is the missing part. And when I told her about the mind-body connection through the fascia, she goes, Trish, that's exactly how EMDR works. Mm-hmm. So it's just fascinating that we have many, many disciplines that we've all been segregated out. Yes. Coming to the same truth of the body through the fascia. Well, Trish, this is a topic I know you and I can uh, talk hours <laughs> on end about because it's just, it. you start to talk down one uh, trail and it just opens up many, many more, um, which I think is what's so exciting about it um, is how interconnected um, the body is and uh, and all, all the, the new things that we're discovering about it. Um, that I think intuitively have sat in some cultures for a very long time. Um, mm-hmm. And we're now seeing that the science is being, you know, connected to it, which is really exciting. Um, yes. 
So I am going to uh, I'm going to list um, a lot of your resources um, in the show notes so that people can connect with those things, book titles and articles and um, YouTube videos, all of that good stuff. Um, and uh, for those who are here in Spokane, um, are you currently taking um, new clients? Um, yes. So I'm the the kind of runners that. Um, I take on, I basically, I like to be integrated. So yes, I am a manual therapist, but I have, um, I take on the runners that are ready to, uh, work with their form. I like to see people outside. Um, and I also see, just see even walkers. I mean, to me, anyone who has a body that their body can't do what they want them to do. Um, I will take you outside in nature. I do the run analysis out there. I even take uh, runners out in the trails and teach them how to do hills and downhills. I look at body form mechanics. I look at your fascial lines, the deep front lines, and I like to be integrated and working with your current chiropractor or your current massage therapist. Or if you don't have one and it's too much, too big for one person to do, then I will ask you to um, bring other uh, practitioners on board is how I do this. Mm-hmm. So I am, um, am cash base and uh, you know, mostly I see runners, I see triathletes, I am bike fit certified. So I can look to see if you have the body that you need to be a cyclist. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I can also look at your um, what's happening on your bike. I don't do bike fits because I don't have pieces parts to switch out but I do what I call bike screens and I do uh, run analysis and so that's what I do but I like to be very integrated and even working with your mental health counselor and and you know sports psychologist whatever you got going on you know your doctors your sports medicine specialists so so that's what I am if that makes sense, I am mm-hmm. specialized, but I like to be integrated with the other specialists. So we are all on the same page. Yeah. So you're doing the same work forward. Yeah. Yes. So that's, that's how I see myself. So, well, that's wonderful. I will make sure all of your info is in the show notes as well. And, um, and then, uh, I, I would, wouldn't be surprised if we have another conversation in the future as uh, as you keep discovering um, more exciting things about, you know, healing and training and all of that. Um, Cause you know, I'll just look for an excuse for us to talk again. <laughs> yeah. And this is slowly making its way. Um, people are starting to think this way more and more. Um, and, you know, I was at a movement. Uh, it was called a movement course down in the Huntington beach in September and it was great to be with all these like-minded people that are looking at the body as a whole and looking and studying movement as a whole and how we really move. So um, there's some really good people out there, some good strength and conditioning coaches, athletic trainers, uh, chiropractors that are, uh, are all coming to the same truth about the movement of the body in the fascia. So, yeah. Okay, good. Thank you okay. for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, um, we will... Uh, We'll put all that information for you guys in the show notes and um, feel free to reach out um, if there are additional resources that, that you are looking for. Um, we will follow up with that as well. So thank you for listening and thank you, Trish, for sharing so much um, of your passion with us today. You're welcome. 
final thought as we close this episode, I could not have found my way through healing without Trisha. She listened to me and all that my body had to say. If you are struggling to find union and connection within yourself, I encourage you to be an advocate for yourself, even if you don't know how to interpret all that is going on inside of you. Once Trisha started speaking her language around me, I knew what language to seek out in my MD, my chiropractor, my massage therapist. And then I looked for guides and healers that wanted to hear all of me. I will put resources in the show notes so you can begin your journey too. Thank you for listening to Connected, and may you keep connecting all the beautiful parts of you. Oh,